One of the biggest hits in the history of Australia is on the Super Hits podcast. We're going to talk about You're the Voice by John Farnham. Here it is. The Super Hits podcast. What up, everyone? Take forever with your intro. I know. Hey, everybody. Uh, Yeah, we're back. Uh, Still in the new studio, though on some new equipment. And uh, I'm telling you. Got to get this audio sorted out. So, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but but the but the computer itself running hot. Oh, the gaming computer with the LED lights on the front, amazing. <laughs> That's uh, so good. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm uh, going to be taking you through the song for this week. It's "You're the Voice" by John Farnham. <laughs> uh, so you're slip, and I'm JamieCMegamix.com.com is my website. Uh, it's looking forward to talking some uh, about this. Uh, Australian God. Yeah, well, before I uh, slaughter this intro any further, let's just get into it. Yeah, do it. Oof, coming in hot. All right. John Farnham, a British-born Australian singer. He was a teen pop idol. Yes. Until, uh, or from 1967 until 1979. Billed until then as Johnny Farnham. Yes. (laughs) Uh, He has since. I mean, you had to know he was a pop idol with that hair. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, he, has, he has since uh, forged a career as an adult contemporary singer. Uh, his career has mostly been as a solo artist, although he did replace Glenn Sherrick as the lead singer of the Little River Band from 1982 to 1985. Jesus. Uh-huh. <laughs> Farnham has been one of Australia's best known and most popular performers, and he is the only Australian artist to have a number one record in five consecutive decades. Yes. Some of his singles, you'll love these. We've got Sadie, open parenthesis, The Cleaning Lady, close parenthesis. Awful. A cover of Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. No. Uh, Age of Reason in 1988. Uh, and he's had albums such as Whispering Jack, Age of Reason, Chain Reaction, Then Again, 33 and a Half, and The Last Time. So, you know, okay. lots of stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> in 1987, he was recognized as the Australian of the Year. In 1996, he is the Officer of the Order of Australia, and he has 19 ARIA awards, including his 2003 introduction into the Hall of Fame. Yes, well, those I got to assume that those other honorifics uh, came just on the heels of Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> Even first. Uh, aside from his recording career, he has performed on stage with lead roles in Australian productions of Charlie Girl, Pippin, and 1992's Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes. He started his own TV series and specials, including It's Magic, Bobby Dazzler. <laughs> Great name. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, some series called Farnham and Burn, which I guess was a music show with Deborah Byrne. Oh, my. So this guy, a jack-of-all-trades, or you might say a whispering jack-of-all-trades. <laughs> wow. Well, yes. what a transition, because Whispering Jack is his 12th yes. studio album. It was produced by Ross Fraser and released on October 20th, 1986, peaking at number one in Australia. It has become the second best-selling album in Australia. <laughs> Do you want to no, guess really? what it's behind? <clears throat> it's it's be- work. Yeah, nope. It, uh, the artist is actually not even Australian, so I don't know why I asked you to guess. Oh, really? Oh, because I, I was going to go like Kylie Minogue and Midnight Oil. Like. No, uh, an artist who we recently received a request to cover, Meatloaf. Yes. <laughs> Bad Out of Hell. Yes. 
Australia's the best. Yep. Whispering Jack, the album, went 24 times platinum uh, in no. Australia. Yeah, 1.68 oh. million copies sold. Australia has, what, 25 to 30 million people? So that's a lot of copies. Crazy. <clears throat> it spent 25 weeks at number one on the album charts. It was awarded the 1987 ARIA Award for Album of the Year. It was the best charting album in the 80s. It was the first Australian-made album to be released on compact disc. Wow. In Australia. Sorry, pardon me. Yes, of course. <clears throat> the album has been certified gold also in Canada, mm -hmm. Germany, and platinum in New Zealand and Sweden. So prior to this album, John Farnham's career had stalled after he had been recruited and left the Little River Band. Yes. Uh, recording the album in 1985 uh, in the uh, was was done in the suburban garage of Farnham's house. Uh, wow. His yeah, his manager Glenn Wheatley took out a mortgage to finance the album, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. All right, no, not a bad investment, dude. Not a bad investment at all. So the lead single off of Whispering Jack was "You're the Voice." It was released on September 15th, 1986, and as you can imagine, the song is wildly popular in Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, it's considered an unofficial national anthem. Uh, however, it. it was actually written by a team of British songwriters, yes. led by Chris Thompson, who was the lead singer in Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Yes. Uh, Thompson wrote it with Andy Quinta and Maggie Ryder, who were writers from his publishing company. Chris Thompson called in Procol Harum uh, lyricist Keith Reed for help with the words. Okay. I love it. It's like, I need some help with these words. I can't get the words down. <laughs> yeah, the words in You're the Voice. Yeah. So Reed told Song Facts. Chris called me and said, I've got something, and I don't know what to do with it lyrically. It feels as though it should be slightly political, but I don't know. Have a listen. And we right. sat down, he played me the tune, and I got the idea, you're the voice, it's an anti-war song in a way, but it was more like a make your voice heard kind of thing, wake up to your own power. So there you go. Right. There you go. So the demo version of the song was released on Keith Reed's 2008 album, The Common Thread. I had to listen to it, it sounds a lot like the version we know, though it's less heavy and features more piano. I said, okay. kind of reminds me of Van Halen's Right Now. Yes. You got some like diddly, 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 in the background. Yes. Yeah, there's a, very, a lot of similarities there. Yeah, they also sneak in some saxophone. So there you go. Nice. Chris Thompson planned to include the song on a solo album he was working on, but his publisher talked him out of it, telling him that protest songs are old news. <laughs> the demo made its That's way. the mid 80s for you, right? Yep. Uh, the demo made its way to Australia via co writer Andy Quinton, who was working with the Aussie band Ice House. Yes. Uh, that's where John Farnham heard the song. Chris Thompson knew Farnham from his 1967 novelty song, Sadie the Cleaning Lady, <laughs> and wanted him nowhere near You're the Voice due to his yes. status as a teen idol. He, he had to be convinced that Farnham was now a legitimate singer and could do the song justice. So kind of like, uh, you know, a young Justin Timberlake growing up. Yeah. Yes, there you go. <laughs> and, you know, being denied sexy back at first, but then being <laughs> yes. allowed. There you um, go. After Thompson relented, Farnham made it his first release under the name John Farnham. After a careful promotional campaign to sidestep the stigma of Johnny Farnham, the song picked up airplay in Australia and took off, going to number one, spoiler alert. Yes. The song contains one of the most famous bagpipe solos ever recorded. Amazing. It was played by a group of four pipers. The original demo didn't have bagpipes, but Farnham thought they would be a good fit. 
Like most like Australians, the Lord Selkirk by then, <laughs> they pff, they couldn't afford us. <laughs> like most Australians, he was a big ACDC fan yes. and loved the song "It's a Long Way to the Top." Open parenthesis. If you want to rock and roll, close parenthesis. Yes. A rock song with bagpipes that inspired him to use the instruments on "You're the Voice." So the song is a little long, four minutes and fifty eight seconds. The single version is the same as the album version on most of the releases. However, the Canadian and U.S. singles were reduced to 4 minutes and 27 seconds. Smart. Yes. Uh, They were labeled as the short version. Yes. Most of the versions of the single have a track called Going, Going, Gone as the B-side. There are 39 versions of the single on Discogs, the majority of which are from 86 and 87, though there are singles released in the U.S. in 1989 and 1990, both as a cassette single and CD single. Yes. Uh, I own the 7-inch release off of RCA Records. It's the Canadian release. It's very cheap, very easy to find. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the cover is a shot of John Farnham's face from the side in black and white with a white cover and the name of the artist and uh, single in generic gray font. I said, there isn't much to it. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, John Farnham has a lot of compilation albums, uh, a couple of which include You're the Voice, include Greatest Hits, mm-hmm. The Greatest Hits, yes. uh, One Voice, open parenthesis, The Greatest Hits, close parenthesis, <laughs> and then we have Love Songs, The Essential John Farnham, and Anthology. Uh, in okay. terms of other compilations where you can find this one, we have Summer 87, a Polystar comp released in Australia in 1986, so... In okay. preparation for summer of 87, I guess. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's got a pretty rad track list. We have Rock 88, a quality records compilation, mm-hmm. released That's, in Canada. Oh, my gosh. We had, we've had a bunch from that album. Yeah. We've said, talked about that many times. Yeah, it's a rad track list. I used to own it on CD. Uh, the first live performance of You're the Voice posted uh, on setlist.fm is from February 4th, 1987 at the Melbourne Concert Hall in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, this is interesting. The last performance of the song live, according to Setlist, was at the AZN, pardon me, AZN mm-hmm. oof, Stadium in Sydney, Australia on February 16th, 2020. Okay. This was a show called Firefight, which was a fundraising benefit concert to raise funds for the National Bushfire Relief uh-huh. following those really bad fires that were yes. a big deal in the news until COVID. Yep. Uh, the show was closed out by John Farnham and Olivia Newton-John. They ended yes. the uh, night with You're the Voice, where they were also joined by Mitch Tambo, Alan McKenzie, and Brian May. Uh, this was the last live performance by John Farnham, who has since been dealing with a number of significant health issues, as well as Olivia Newton-John, who passed away in 2022. That's right. There are no professional wrestlers who I could find using this song. Uh, a missed opportunity. Yep. Uh, in terms of television shows, a couple uh, on my list. We've got The Good Place. Uh, we've got an episode of Chuck. <laughs> and we've got American Dad. Ugh, disgusting. Even worse, in an episode called Pulling Double Booty. <laughs> you know, I want it, all those Seth MacFarlane things make me want to die. Uh-huh. Uh, movies. Yes, we come have, on. We Give have Playing for Keeps from 2012. We have The Interview from 2014, and probably the one you've been waiting for. In 2007, it was played during a pivotal scene in the movie Hot Rod. Hot Rod is one of the best movies, and everybody needs to get get their hands on it and watch it. 
yeah. get their hands on it. Yeah. <laughs> Stream it somewhere because it's awesome. Yeah, we're there. What's it? They're marching down the. Uh, they're marching down the street to do the big, uh, the big stunt. The big stunt, and everybody starts to follow him, and then it just becomes a riot. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. The Australian Electoral Commission has used the song in advertisements surrounding Australian state and federal elections since 2001. Huh. It is also featured in the original release of Grand Theft Auto episodes from Liberty City in a game radio station, uh, Vice City FM, but was removed following the 10th year anniversary of the game. Uh, here's a good one. The song was used by anti-lockdown protesters who rallied in Melbourne and Victoria during the COVID-19 pandemic on uh, September 21st, 2020. It was reported by Seven News that the song had become a common theme at rallies around the city as stage four lockdowns continued. However, Farnham's manager described it as offensive to Farnham and the manager himself. So okay, well there you go. Again, you know, people on ganking songs that you know the artist wants them to have nothing to do with. So uh-huh. well, this is stop them. All right, uh, should we go to lyrics? Do it. All right, so what did I say here? I mean, how can you go wrong with how long can we look at each other down the barrel of a gun? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I'm just taking a look here. I mean, a lot of whoa woes, so yep. that's always good. I like I like songs where there's no words. So yep. just oh, oh. Um, we're not going to sit in silence just because of the way that he sings it. It's pretty good. Um, but again, yeah, it's pretty repetitive, and there's not a lot, there's not a lot of meat on the bone on this one. Uh, the song was inspired by a protest march for nuclear disarmament that took place in London's Hyde Park on October 25th, 1985. Uh, I love this story. <laughs> Yes. The day the writing team started writing the song, because Chris Thompson planned on attending the march, but overslept. <laughs> yes. It's like ah, I'm gonna sleep in. So so good. Yeah. So instead, they got together and they wrote the song while they watched the protest on television. I love it. Uh, he said, "I was annoyed at myself, and that's where the idea of you're the voice came from." He told News Corp Australia. If you want to do something, you have to go out and do it yourself or, you know, write, write it while you're watching on television. Yes. Uh, here's what Chad GPT had to say about the lyrics. Yes, please. The song's lyrics convey a message of empowerment, unity, and standing up for what is right. It encourages individuals to find their voice, speak out against injustice, and make a positive difference in the world. The powerful and anthemic nature of the song contributed to its popularity and enduring appeal. Okay. Uh, the song meetings posts for this one were interesting. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of people on there who were clearly trolling, and then a lot of people responding to the trolls. Oh, I love those. Uh, here's a couple of posts. Dick Sneeze <laughs> said, If it's the best song you've ever heard, where the fuck have you been? No one is forcing me to listen to it, but it seems I cannot get away from John Farnham or this godforsaken song. He's been regurgitated throughout the media for as long as I can remember. So he was born in England, eh? And yet we still call him Australian, just like us to do that. When when has Australia ever produced something good? I hate John Farnham, and what's more, I hate John Farnham fans. Every time I hear the song, I feel like gnawing at my wrists. I love how there's, he's so mad about John Farnham fans. Yep. Like uh, that, that that major contingent of people. Yep. So uh, remember, this is Dick Sneeze. So, Dick you know, Jiff yeah, yeah. Box comes along and goes, Oi, 
Dick noise. Sorry, I mean dick sneeze. Like what a burn. <laughs> what a burn. Uh, uh, you, you, my friend, are a wanker. Yes. If you really feel like gnawing at your wrists, don't let us stop you. Hopefully, if you don't die, you'll at least make your hands unusable so you can't post random useless bullshit on here. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we have Arrow411 saying, LOL at these comments. I love this song and I love John's voice. Dick sneeze. That is a very appropriate name for you. My dick could sneeze more constructive comments than you have provided. Oh my god, come on. <laughs> hey, Amazing. Hey, here's an idea. See if you can post a comment without saying fuck, then maybe I'll give a shit about what you have to say. As uh, the person writes shit and fucking yep. in their comments. I mean, dick sneeze commented like 40 times. I'm sure it was uh, a fun few minutes of scrolling for you. Yeah. Uh, but we do have uh, one more person here. This is DJD1227 who said, Hot Rod, smiley face. And you know what? Smart. Yep. Let's go to reception. Okay. So as we've discussed, You're the Voice was one of the biggest hits in 1986 in Australia, topping the Kent Music Report singles chart for seven weeks, uh, the 3rd of November to the 21st of December, 1986. An archive of these charts is not easy to find, but I did find a screenshot of the Australia Radio Survey Music Chart for the week of November 28th, 1986. Oof. Your top 10. Got John Farnham at the top. You're the voice. Number two, Chris DeBerg with Lady in Red. Mm-hmm. Number three, Pseudo Echo with Funky Town. Yes. And number four, Billy Idol with To Be a Lover. Number five, Stacey Q with Two of Hearts. Number six, CanCon, Don't Forget Me, open parenthesis when I'm gone, close parenthesis by Glass Tiger. <clears throat> number seven, Don't Leave Me This Way by Communards. Uh, number eight, open parenthesis, I just, close parenthesis, Died in Your Arms yes. by Cutting Crew. Number nine, Don't Get Me Wrong by Pretenders. And number 10, Hungry Town by Big Pig. Nice. I want to say on that chart, two songs from Hot Rod, because two hearts in Hot Rod. Yes fantastic movie you're yes. uh, the voice re-entered the australian singles chart more than 25 years after the original release reaching number 64 thanks to its appearance in a 2012 ford tv commercial come on uh you're the voice was also a success in canada yes. it debuted on the rpm 100 chart during the week of may 2nd 1987 at number 97 no. it was in between just to see her by Smokey robinson Mm-hmm. And Can't We Try by Dan Hill. Some can call. Dan, Dan Hill always lurking on these charts. <laughs> yep. in the, 80s. Uh, the song peaked at number 12 on the RPM 100 singles chart during the week of August 15th, 1987, where it would stay for two weeks. Here is the top 12, August 15th, 1987. Hey. Number one, Funky Town by Pseudo Echo. There we go. Alone by Heart at number two. Heart and Soul by Tapau at number three. Yes. Uh, Shakedown by Bob Seger at number four. Uh, number five, Who's That Girl by Madonna. Nice. Number six, I Want to Dance with Somebody, open parenthesis, Who Loves Me, close parenthesis, by Whitney Houston. Yes. Uh, number seven, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For by U2. Mm-hmm. Number eight, Always by Atlantic Star. Nine is I Want Your Sex by George Michael. Number nice. ten, Head to Toe by Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam. Yes. And number eleven, Rhythm is Gonna Get You by Gloria Estefan and Miami Sound Machine. All right. There's a lot of... Uh... Super hits alumni on there. Yep. And then You're the Voice comes in at number 12. 
Uh, not, during, a bad, not a bad top 12. No, and during that same week, uh, editor Walt Grayless oh, yes. had something to say in his Walt Says column in the RPM magazine. He said, are the stars out tonight? I hear a major voice in broadcasting doesn't move until he checks with his astrologer. <laughs> yes, what juicy gossip. <laughs> yep. I love the subtweets. It's fantastic. That's so good. In the United Kingdom, you're the voice peaked at number six on the top 100 singles charts during the week of June uh, 28th, 1987. You're top 10. It's a sin by Pet Shop Boys at the top. Uh, number two, the firm with Star Trekkin. I can only imagine. Do you know this one? I can't imagine what that is. Uh, number three, Under the Boardwalk by Bruce Willis. Oh, gee. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I want to dance with somebody who loves me at number four. Wishing Well by Terrence Trent Darby at number five. All right. You're the voice at six. A Misfit by Curiosity Killed the Cat. <laughs> what a great seven. name. Uh, I Want Your Sex at number eight. Uh, White Snakes Is This Love at number nine. And Cliff Richard with My Pretty One at number 10. Okay. Uh, also at number 20 during that same week in the UK was If I Was Your Girlfriend by Prince. Yes. Yes. Uh, the song hit number one in West Germany during the week of April 27th, 1987. It stayed there for two weeks. In the U.S., the track actually did not perform well. Nope. It missed the chart completely on its initial release in 1987. Uh, BMG and RCA re-released the song in February of 1990 after John Farnham made the adult contemporary chart with two strong hearts. The song okay. eventually spent eight weeks on the U.S. charts. It only peaked at number 82. Eight weeks and, and never got higher than 82. Wow. No. Uh, it was a number one hit in Sweden, and it also reached the top 10 in Austria, Ireland, and Switzerland. Mm. At the ARIA Music Awards in 1987, it won Single of the Year. Uh, the other nominees were Don't Dream It's Over by Crowded House, Say Goodbye by Hunters and Collectors, Good Times by NXS and Jimmy Barnes, and Before Too Long by Paul Kelly and the Colored Girls. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Interesting name. In January 2018, as part of Triple M's Ozist 100, mm. which ranked the most Australian songs of all time, the single was ranked at number six. So it was number one down under is my question. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't, mean, it has to be, right? I, I, I would assume I should have uh, pulled that up, but I did not. Lazy. Right, that's okay. That's okay. On Spotify, the song has 167 million streams. The official music video, which has been up for 12 years, has 28 million views on YouTube. These figures are of May of 2023. Yep. Covers and samples. Do it. Who sampled lists four songs, which sample You're the Voice? Waxman sampled this in their 1996 track called You're the Voice. Nice. Which is a terrible, happy, hard co- uh, hardcore oh, no. song no. that they just, you know, goes with the song. I wrote, It Sucks. Charnel sampled this in their 2010 track called You're the Voice, which is just them rapping over the song. I said, I think it's in German. It's not very good. Okay. There are 43 covers of this song. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, a few of note. As a lead promotion for their first live album, Rock the House Live, in 1991, Heart released their live version of You're the Voice as a single. Uh, commercially, the single reached number 20 in the U.S. on their uh, album Rock Tracks chart. In the U.K., it peaked at number 56. A music video was released that includes footage shot from the tour as well as from Gulf War number 1. Oh, God. Yep. 
I listened oh, to floor number one. I love it. I listened to the song. It sounds pretty good. Okay. Songwriter Chris Thompson joined Alan Parsons uh, on his first solo album after the split of the Alan Parsons project and was also one of the two front men on the ensuing tour, which was captured on the album Alan Parsons Live. For the U.S. release of this album, the band added three new studio recordings recorded in February 1995, one of which was You're the Voice, and I listened to it, and it was fine. Okay. You're the Voice was then performed at the World Liberty Concert in May of 1995 by the Alan Parsons Band, Chris Thompson, and Metropole Orchest. Uh, the only official release associated with the concert was the single featuring a radio edit of the live version. And again, it sounds good. Okay. David Foster released a cover of the song. Nice. This is a very David Foster sounding song. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. I wrote, it also sounds good. Yep. Your favorite Bucks Fizz covered this. Of course Bucks Fizz did. In 1991, I couldn't find a recording of it. The 8-bit arcade version of the song is also quite good. And then I just said, I honestly think it would be hard to screw up a cover of this song as long as you decided not to fuck with it too much. Agreed. So uh, there you go. Music video. All right. The music video was recorded with celebrities uh, and musicians, including uh, the dudes from Pseudo Echo. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I know them. Yeah. So. None, of, none of these celebs were actually in the original audio recording. They were assembled by Farnham's talent manager, Glenn Wheatley. Wheatley had later recalled, it was done on a shoestring budget. After watching the video, I say no shit. That's me. <laughs> I called in Darren and Jackie. Some of the guys from Pseudo Echo and Glenn McInish uh, from Skyhooks are in the band. It was pretty much anyone who do me a favor. Um, so my own notes. Okay. We get news footage of war focusing on aerial bombings. It's very reminiscent of a promo package by WWF in like 1999 yes. for like one of their pay-per-views. Yep. Uh, we get a sideways shot of John Farnham singing. Yes. Then for some reason we go from the war to a family fighting in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I wrote it's, it's juxtapositioning. It's not subtle at all. There are open bottles of booze at the table and parents <laughs> arguing. A plate gets smashed on the wall. There's a little kid watching everything. Yep. Uh, more of Farnham's face as we get people scrolling in the background. I wrote, this just goes on and on oh, and on and on. That was not a good part. Finally, we get the band performing on stage, and the footage I said is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, black and white footage of the bagpiper, only one of them. I said, you couldn't get a quartet. <laughs> exactly. Most pipers will do performances for next to nothing. Yeah. Uh, more footage of the band playing together, which is still decent, until they show a shot of the audience. And the audience is not moving at all. Nope. <laughs> they are just standing watching them. So. <laughs> Very uh, bored. Uh, do you want to just go to the rating? Sure. All right. Comments and rating on the video. I mean, I think it works. I mean, it, it, it kind of captures the, the anti-war message, I uh-huh. guess, by just showing bombs dropping in planes. Um, Production-wise, um, it's not great, but even the bad rotoscoping still looks good. Yep. When they get the black outline on his face, it's not bad. I Some positives, the double denim on the backup singers was a good choice. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm glad the Piper got some shine. Yep. But you're right, there needs to be more. At the end, into the last chorus, he does a spin into the color shot. Yep. Which would have been really cool if they hadn't already switched to color <laughs> with no fanfare earlier in the video. Uh-huh. Like, if you had built it up and then did that, you know, it's like doing your finisher in a wrestling match in the first, like, 10 minutes 
but then building up to that same finisher again. Later. Yep. Still, Farnham has a wicked duster that he's wearing at the end. So I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10 for a good effort. I said a decent effort, nothing spectacular, nothing offensive. I gave it a 5 out of 10. Right on. There you go, buddy. Uh, The song. Obviously, I love the iconic appearance of this song in Hot Rod. Uh, I adore that there's bagpipes in this song. I think it's tremendous. Um, Farnham sounds terrific. The song is super catchy. But Uh the hand claps. (laughs) They are just too much. Yep. They are, this is a top-notch pop song, but these hand claps are awful, and they're throughout the whole song, and they're loud. Um, I can't give this four stars in my library, and thus I can't push this to a seven, but I'll get as close as I can. 6.5 out of 10. Oof, look at you taking a stand against hand claps. Yes, too much. Uh, I said the song is rad. The singing is awesome. The bagpipe solo kicks ass. Yep. It's basically got all the all the elements of a top-notch tune. I am giving it an 8 out of 10. That would be a four-star tune. Right on, uh, there you go, John Farnham, and you're the voice. And where are you taking us in the next episode? Ah, this Friday coming up, uh, we're going to uh, take a look at an interesting cover. Uh-huh. Uh, David Bowie and Mick Jagger with Dancing in the Street. My God. It's going to be an interesting episode, my friend. Oh, the video. <laughs> The video, the context, there's a lot. There's a lot. We're going we're gonna to be chatting. Actually, you know what? Before that we um, go, and I was going to slide this in. Yep. But I, for just circling back to You're the Voice for one second, I used to be convinced that this thing won like Eurovision. So was I. I don't know why. I don't see anything about it, by the no, way. like nothing. Having won it, but I, I thought so too. But I mean, it's another I, song. I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, then, of course, I started, I went down the rabbit hole, you know, and then I started looking at Eurovision and, oh, my God. Oh, I know. I mean, I mean, if you like Bucks Fizz, they're in there. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I mean, there's Waterloo ones, so that's good. But other than that, so much stuff I've never heard of. I think we need to do maybe a, a Eurovision-themed episode. A lot of that, those songs of are so sometimes. bad. There's so many songs that are terrible. So many bad things. Well, but if, anyway. you, if you want us to do a Eurovision episode... Uh, hit us up at superhitspodcast at gmail.com and make the request because we'll probably do it. Uh, you yes. can hit us up at superhitspodcast yeah. on Instagram. Like, yeah, go ahead. Uh, superhitscast on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, all those places. You know where to hit us up. Yeah. Uh, I can uh, be found at slip with five eyes or slip. So I'm Jamie C. My website's megamix.com.com.com.com.com.com. <laughs> 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 Triple com. You know, like if you want to talk about like boom bang a lang by Lulu. Or uh, let's see, Dance Vies by Greffe and Jorgen Ingman. Yeah, tell us if you want us to cover some Eurovision songs. That'd be great. Otherwise, we'll let, we'll see you in a couple of days with uh, with David Bowie and Mick Jagger. Thanks see, for listening, friends. See ya. See ya.